you know, people love the idea of raising cash, right? But not often the it experience. Never feels good. Yeah, they, yeah, they don't like the experience because right. yeah, when you end up having to do it, it usually feels like the wrong time. You probably already sold off a decent amount anyway. Um, and then number one, you're fighting the market. Right. You know, when you do that, and that's just it's tough. It's tough. Market timing is very tough, but there are times to do it. I mean, there's times when the market goes down fifty percent, and like if you can get out twenty percent down, that's a win. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NASDAQ Dorsey Wright podcast for the week ending on November 17th, I believe, mm-hmm. tomorrow. Right? Yep. So uh, my name is Ian Saunders, joined here by Chuck Fuller. Chuck, good to be uh, sitting across the office from him. Thanks for hopping on this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, should be good. Um, so this we are recording this on the 16th, so it's going to be here on uh, Thursday. Podcast going to be coming out on Friday. Uh, this is the fourth and final, fourth and final podcast in our risk series that we've been doing. Uh, so we're thrilled to have you on here for the the last risk podcast. We can just wrap up all the risk conversations after this. Right. We'll, yeah. We'll we'll tie, tie the on top. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, but so Chuck, um, in terms of kids, kind of your background on what you do here, obviously many of you listening might be familiar with Chuck. You've been on the podcast several times kind of recently talking about different stuff. I think the last time you and I were on, we were talking a lot about AI stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Different kind of conversations. Yeah, a little bit. Some risk. And, <laughs> yeah, and some risk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but you're on the portfolio management team here. Mm-hmm. So you're with uh, John Lewis on the uh, doing the portfolio management. But that's not always what you've done at Dorsey, right? So I didn't uh, think it might be kind of applicable just to give some people some background on like what you're doing now, what you've done in the past and why you're doing what you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, so I started off at Dorsey Wright uh, back in 2007. So it's been 16 years. Started off in tech. Um, you know, really just working on data, you know, just keeping the data up to date and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I had a degree in computer science. I knew how to program and all that kind of thing. And, you know, the opportunity came up, um, you know, I'm trying to remember what it was, somewhere around 2012 or so that, you know, hey, we need to uh, create a new site and mm-hmm. a new back end for you know, everything that we do and all that kind of thing. And so um, I knew that I could do it. I knew the, the domain enough. I've been there, you know, four or five years at that point. And uh, thought that I could do it, and um, so volunteered, and yeah, got the got the role, <laughs> like it or not. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you know, uh, went through that whole process, rebuilt you know our entire uh, site or the back end of the site from uh, from scratch. Uh, so that's like all of our nightly processes, everything that we use to uh, you know import data. So you're the man behind the curtain. Yeah, kind of the man behind the curtain <laughs> kind of stuff, right? And. And not only that, you know, doing like uh, a lot of the uh, the model testing that we do, um, you know, I was doing a lot of that kind of built out. You know, we have like our custom modeler now, right. um, you know, kind of I kind of built the back end of that for us internally um, back then uh, as well. So, you know, I did that for, you know, a few years. Um, you know, once NASDAQ bought us, I kind of transitioned into being the head of technology. Okay. Um, was probably doing that for two or three years and um, kind of made a transition after that. I was more interested in the uh, you know portfolio management and kind of model creation, research kind of side. Actual kind of investable strategies. Like yeah, I was, I've was. i always been more into that right. than the tech side. Even on the though, personal side too? Is that yeah, yeah, even on, yeah, on that side. So like I've always been more into that. So, um, and I, you know, I think they wanted it to kind of be separate, you know, not to... You know, have it the one position, you know, wearing too many hats like right. that. So I said, well, yeah, let me do, I'll go be an, an analyst basically um, instead of being the head of technology. So kind of then transitioned over to be, uh, you know, kind of the head of uh, what we're calling like quantitative research. Okay. Um, 
And so, yeah, I've been doing that for a number of years now. And, and here in the last, uh, I guess it was two years ago, um, you know, started uh, being like an official portfolio manager okay. uh, here as well. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a, a different kind of ride. You know, I don't think it's like the typical, uh, you know, typical approach, you know, for right. for most people. But, you know, that's, well, that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, with the, the cutting background and stuff, too, with our stuff, a lot of the more quantitative side, I mean, still use a lot of the coding aspect and that's yeah. what you're doing, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. So it's, right. it's transfer. Certainly yeah. been a um an interesting two years to come into the portfolio management <laughs> side of things. Right? Yeah, yeah, that is for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's it's been yeah, it's been tough in a lot of ways, right? You know, momentum has not done what you know historically momentum is supposed to do, right? And that's that's one of the risks, you know, that we come up against. There you um, go. You, you said the keyword there. Right. right. Yeah. 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 And so with risk, I mean, so with this kind of series, we've hit on a lot of different aspects. I know you've listened to some of the, the podcasts we've had previously, had some great guests on um, that have looked at risk through different lenses. And I think that you have a pretty unique lens that we, we haven't heard on this, certainly on this, on the series, um, more from just a strict PM perspective on how kind of market risk, portfolio risk. But when you think about risk, what is What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you when you hear rest? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is you know just kind of what uh, traditional you know finance background would would have you think, which is standard deviation of the portfolio um, or beta of the portfolio, you know what have you. Um, and I think that's a useful metric to to measure risk. Um, I don't think it tells the whole story though. I mean, it certainly tells you how volatile the portfolio mm-hmm. is and, you know, mm-hmm. a more volatile portfolio is going to be harder to hold for most people. Um, so even if it does well, it could shake them out, right? right. What's the benefit there? Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's useful. Um, but also, you know, also probably the, the one thing I always think about is, um, you know, what's the risk that you're not going to meet your goal, mm-hmm. you know, as an end investor, um, and so a lot of times that happens from people being too conservative, right? Um, you know, they, they can't, they feel like they can't handle the risk. Um, and so they, they don't end up where they, where they need to be or where they want to be. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I kind of view that as maybe being an even bigger risk. The more um, the opportunity cost of too yeah. much risk management. Yeah. Of. Cause I mean, if you, we were talking about this before, <laughs> um, you know, it's like I'm 43 years old. I think there's only been seven or eight years that the market's been down my whole life. Right. right? Even though it's had some crazy years in there, 2008 and, you know, the tech crash and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, the vast majority of years have been up. You know, That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. 75 to 80%. You go back and look at the long-term chart of the market. It, right. It's up and to the right with, you know, and even if you look at the, a long enough chart, even something like the Great Depression doesn't look that scary. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, living through it. Sure. But, you know, given enough time, I mean, it, it's you're well, well ahead of those prices. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, even yeah. Now. Um, so, you know, I, I just always feel like uh, could that end? Sure. But if that ends, then there's probably some pretty bad things going on in the world. You You might not be so worried about how much money you have in your account you might be worried about some other things there's some other concerns right um so yeah that that's kind of been my uh view of risk that yeah you you need to think about the downside risks and that's what you know 99 percent of people are focused on but that upside risk you need to you need to also consider that and at least make it i think at least 50 percent of how you think about right, it. Right. Cause you don't know when, like you said, what seven out of 43 years, been that, right. but you don't know when those times are going to That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. And they typically don't last for pretty long. You don't see clumps of 
it's not been three years and four years out of that seven, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you tend not to see that. You, you did see that in the tech crash, yeah. right? But like, yeah, that's not the typical, right? The typical right. Uh, is like you know, basically like a year and a half down, kind of like what we just saw, like yeah. in 2022. Yeah. yeah. That was, you know, even really, that was less than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, something like that away was roughly a year and a half, you know, maybe a little bit less. Um, you know, the 81, 82, yeah, about a year and a half to two years. So, so that's kind of what you typically see. And those times I feel like coming when things feel really risky and it's come down a lot, that's when people seem to a lot of times care a lot more about risk management, Right. When, which is almost <laughs> counterintuitive. That yeah. might be the time to throw it to the wind. That's, right? Yeah, and that's it, when you, I would say that's when you need to get even more risky, right? When there's blood in the streets, that's always the, right. the common you know, right. thing that people say. Um, yeah, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you need to be investing. Because what are the chances that it's going to just, everything's going to fall apart. Right. And, and again, if it does, you have much bigger worries, yeah. right? Like if it's apocalypse, then we need to be worried about where we're getting food and that kind of thing. I don't need to be worried about how many zeros I got. Trading account. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's why I tend to view upside risk is at least as equally as important as downside. Right. And I think that that comes with things from, I mean, so in other conversations that we've had on the, the risk series, it seems to kind of be two main uh, broad views of, of risk, risk in the portfolio side and risk in the client side. And I think that the the opportunity cost maybe of mm-hmm. caring too much about risk might um, be more on that kind of client risk management perspective, right? Yeah. I mean, to kind of help clients if they have an end goal that they want to reach, they need to know how to get there and what it's going to feel like right. potentially to yeah. get there. Right. It's exactly. not always up to the right. I mean, yeah, it is. It, exactly. And, and yeah. And let's be honest here. Most people can't stomach even a, a 10% decline, right? We get, you know, we get all kinds of calls when there's even a 10% decline in the market. Yeah. And that's every, that should be happening every year. Roughly. We hit 10% and, and, this recently, past, and yeah. it just went straight, straight up. up. Right. There, yeah. Right? And then, that's the thing that the market's designed to do that. It's the buck and bronco, right? It's trying to buck you off. <laughs> yeah. And a lot for a lot of people, that 10% is going to do it. Right. right? Um, and for it, it, it'll not do it long enough to make you think that, okay, whoa, 10% down, we're good. When enough people start thinking that, you know, too many times in a row, well, that's when we'll go down 20 or right, 30 right. or whatever. Um so you got to be mindful of that too, right? You can't not say the downside. Too many false signals you're going to end up. Yeah. Right, yeah. Downside risk does matter. But yeah, more often than not, when you get a, a signal like that, it's it's time to 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 take on some more risk. And that doesn't mean you got to go crazy with it and, you know, lever up, you know, to the gills. Um, but it would be nice. You're right, yeah. <laughs> right. In hindsight. True, in hindsight, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, even if you, you've got a guy who's, uh, you know, he's a conservative income investor, mm-hmm. you know, if you can just give him, get him up to be, you know, a moderate income investor for, you know, <laughs> off that bomb, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You know, just something like that. Um, it can, I think, drastically change the the terminal wealth that the guy ends up right. with or girl. That's a tough conversation to have at that time. That's it kind is. Of, it's counterintuitive, but yeah. I mean, at the end of the day too, that's, that's, um, that's why clients hire that that's exactly right. I mean, that, to me, that is like exactly why an, an advisor is so good for people. Because right. yeah, left to their own devices, they are going to sell at the wrong time. They're going to buy at the wrong time. Because yeah. AI chatbots are not telling people, right? Yeah, the 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 you know the market wants you to get in at the wrong time and wants you to get out the, at the wrong time, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's 
there's an old quote, you know, it's designed to frustrate the most amount of people it can the most amount of the time. Right. Right. And that's, that's its whole goal because yeah. otherwise, you know, then everybody makes money and, but yet that can't happen. The world, don't work like that. The world don't work like that. Right. The, everything gets arbitraged away in that, in those kind of scenarios yeah. where everybody's making money. Yeah. So, so you mentioned in looking at, you said you, you mentioned in looking at kind of those environments that might be opportune to look away from the risk management side and look more toward that kind of opportunity cost, the risk of, of, of missing out really. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned signals there. So when you're yeah. looking at kind of tracking risk tools, I mean, we have a lot of different tools and stuff on our platform, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of tools and technical analysis. I mean, you have CMT and CFA, so you, you, you've looked at all the tools. Right? Yeah, yeah, I know a lot um, of them, yeah. Right. So when you're looking at tools to, to track risk, I guess, first, before mm-hmm. you kind of get into manage, managing it, you mentioned standard deviation might not always be the kind of the best option to go with just yeah. to track standard deviation over time. What other kind of stuff are you looking at? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about indicators and we're talking about, you know, kind of the situation where, you know, when is a market in a, a, a more opportune time to, to put money to work versus not, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think one of the the key types of indicators that we have are these participation indicators, mm-hmm. right? So um, you know, BPNYC is the big one, you know, that we've talked about for years and that, yeah. that's still a key one. Um, you know, I, I tend to like the, the SPX ones just cause they, you know, they're more in tune with the SP. So what, what are the, what are those, what does that stuff look? Yeah. So that, uh, depending on which one you're looking at. So okay. the, uh, something like the BPNYC, yeah. it's looking at the percentage of stocks trading on the New York stock exchange. Um, they're on a point figure buy signal, okay. right? So they've gone above some level of resistance right. um, on the chart. And um, yeah, so when you see those uh, fluctuate, now they're going to fluctuate between zero and 100. You know, 100 would mean, hey, everything's on a buy signal. Mm-hmm. Zero means nothing's on a buy signal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you tend to see is when, you know, something like that gets low and reverses up, it tends to be a good signal. Um, you know, it all depends on which one you're looking at. And we got a bunch of them. Um, but yeah, you know, with something like the, the BPMYC, you know, when it gets below 30 or so and you see reverse up, you know, that's, that tends to be a good signal. Important to kind of wash out. Yeah. It's, it says that, Hey, things you got all these stocks that are on sell signals. There's just less kindling, you know, for the fire to burn on. Right. right? right so, right. uh, you know, there's more, more chances, that, especially when, once you see reversal up that, yeah. you know, things are going to tend to be good, you know, and that's what we see. And we do a bunch of like, you know, kind of forward return studies and that type of thing. Usually when you've gotten beat up like that, you look out, you know, a year, you know, you're up, you know, 20% or so, you mm-hmm. know, and that's like, you know, double what the market does on a, in any average period. Yeah. And I think a lot of these, in, in looking at these indicators, and they've moved around a lot over the past season, oh, yeah. 18 months, season, right? right? Um, and a lot of the conversations we've had with advisors and seeing maybe the BP bullish percent for the S&P gets down into single digit territory, mm-hmm. Right. right? just because it's at 8% doesn't mean it can't hit six. Doesn't yeah. mean it can't hit four. And, and, and I think the point you hit on is looking for that reversal is it's yeah it's on the chart. It doesn't look like it can go, it can go down much, but those moves, they, they hurt a lot, right? They do. And, they and what, what I would say is that pain increases exponentially as you move down, right? Even though the opportunity also increases exponentially right. on the eventual move up, the pain can be um, unbelievable because everyone wants to pinpoint that exact bottom. Exactly, and so I think I think me and you were looking at this not too long ago, where we were looking at um, I think it was the TWSPX, okay. which is the percentage of stocks 
uh, within the S&P that are above their 10-week or 50-day moving average, okay. right? And we were looking at it around the COVID bottom. And that's pretty near term focused, right? Yeah, yeah. Something it like it moves around more. Yeah. It's it's yeah. not, yeah, it's not for like a long term thing. But right. when you see it, it doesn't get super washed out very often. Right. Um, and when you do see it reverse up from like with that one, I would say if it gets below 10 okay. and reverses up, that tends to be a good signal. Um, now in this case, talking about the pain as you go down, yeah, I, I don't have it right in front of me, so I can't remember the exact number, but it's something like um it gets to you know, like one. Um, and you look at the date that it was there and it's like early March or kind of early to mid March, maybe mm-hmm. like I don't know, March 12th, 13th, 16th, yes, 2020. Uh, 2020, somewhere in there. We know that the bottom was the 23rd right. of March and there was a whole lot of pain. And granted, maybe it was only a week and a half or so of pain. It was remarkable pain. Was they, rough. Yeah. Rough you're talking about, you know, days you're going down 10%. And a volatile weekend. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. You had up moves that were crazy, down moves that were crazy. It was swings. Wild. Oh yeah, and that in that kind of risk environment too, I think kind of goes back to the, the first part that you're saying that if you're trying to pinpoint stuff in that kind of environment, I mean that's that is a very difficult game to play. Yeah, right? I, to me, and this is kind of my own personal thing, but like if you see volatility up that high, you don't try to pinpoint something. That is, you know, just a recipe for for danger. Right. Um, so you have the the breadth indications that you're kind of looking at is kind of pinpointing extreme in market environments. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you don't always want to focus on volatility, but still helpful to, to use in conjunction, right? So when you're looking at volatility and kind of standard deviation moves within there, I mean, it's still helpful to use, but not as the sole role. Yeah, definitely not as a sole. Okay. I mean, to me, yeah, I wouldn't, unless it's like through the roof, right. you know, you've got the VIX up at 80, you know, that kind of thing. Like, um otherwise i think you can kind of play those games but you mm-hmm. just got to be careful and know that hey you know trying to pinpoint something is fraught with risk right right so. and it's that kind of when I mean, most of the stuff that we do and certainly on the whether it's on the research side or the uh, more actual strategy side of things i mean it's process oriented, right it's process yeah. you, you don't want to be those bottoms are not the time to be deciding your process right exactly <laughs> right you, you need to have the game plan set up well before and that. stick to it and right. i think that's that's a really difficult difficult thing a lot of times in those environments because that's the most that's yeah, why you have that's them, right? that yeah that's when you want to tear it up and throw it out the right, window right. go all cash and just telling you all these sit there things. and twiddle the thumbs right <laughs> yeah but that there's a huge amount of risk in that too right, right? i mean that that's kind of the upside risk right like right, right just getting out completely you know imagine you did that on march 23rd mm-hmm. right that right. that's 2020 that's that's when it felt the worst i remember that day i, I remember sweating bullets right <laughs> like I wanted to get out, but I knew there's, oh my gosh, there's going to be so much opportunity eventually. Yeah. Didn't know how exactly how it was going to play out, but, you know, knew we should get a run up from there. Um, and luckily we did, but, um, but yeah, to, and then you know that there's, you know, thousands, if not millions of people who did sell out everything right there and, right. and who knows when they came back. Right. I, I know people who never came back. Right. Right. They've been sitting now. <laughs> Well, I was going to say sitting in cash now, maybe it's not too bad, but <laughs> for at least for the first couple of years, it couldn't have felt too good. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting and missing out on the first six months of the year was, was a rough. Go, yeah. Right. Sure. Exactly. So, but when you're looking at that kind of process, that kind of process approach, I mean, you mentioned some of the breadth indicators we have. We have other kind of what we call risk indicators, like cash raising tools yeah, that we right. have on the platform. Um, how do you see those working in conjunction with competition with one another? How does that kind of kind of play out? Yeah. So, I mean, the the cash raising tools that we tend to have, um, you know, whether it's something like 
uh, the cash asset class, you know, moving up to a high you know, level in Dolly right. um, or, you know, money market percentile rank or, you know, whatever it is, um, they tend to be longer term, I would say. Got it. They're the they're the type of indicator that you know you're not trying to pinpoint bottoms with that you're not, or not trying to pinpoint tops necessarily. You got to get some move in, in the direction. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need some kind of move down before those show you any kind of indication that mm-hmm. you know you need to get out. Um, and ideally, those kind of things are, are designed to you know really trying to protect you from in uh, 2008 or like tech crash style decline where you're going to go down 50 percent or so or more uh, peak to trough, right? When you get something like that, um, you know, you, you know, even if you have to wait, you know, 20% uh, to go down before you get that signal, it's still good, right? It's, it's still a good signal. You missed out on the other, you know, 30%, let's say. Right, right. Um, so it's, it's not a, not a bad deal to wait. And the, the benefit of that is that you don't get, you know, if we can make it more sensitive, right. But then you get whipped, uh, or whips out a lot, you know, um, trying to make it more sensitive. Right. Uh, Cause the thing is with, you know, everybody wants, uh, an indicator that, that tells you when the top's going to be yeah. right. Which it, is... it is the hardest thing yeah. that there is. Like I'm sitting here telling you that like, you know, getting in at bottoms, uh, well, you can use these participation indicators and, you know, when they reverse up from low fuel position, you know, jump in. Right. Um, you would think that, oh, well, maybe it works the other way at the top. You know, when they, if they're up at intuition, would lead you to believe the intuition would lead you to believe that, hey, if they're up at 80 and they reverse down, that, hey, it's time to go to cash, right? You can't go that much higher. Can't, yeah, it can't go that much higher. But that's not the way it works because right. the, when you look at the market every time, the market goes up, right? right? So, and because of that, it, it creates, you know, what they call like an, uh, an asymmetrical profile to these things where, yeah, reversing up, uh, you know, from low field position is good to get back in because we know that the market goes from, you know, up and to the right most mm-hmm. of the time, right? So your chances are higher that it's going to work out right. versus trying to get out of something that goes up and to the right. That's you're tough. Fighting. Yeah, you're fighting, uh, you're fighting the trend always. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's a lot tougher. Sometimes it's beautiful. You, know, you see something, man, why didn't I take that signal? You know, it reversed down from you know, up above 70 or whatever it is. And, you know, it, it, it just goes straight down. Right. You know, oh, if only, you know, but more often than not, it's a process right. of, you know, we, we, a lot of times what you see is, is some kind of sector rotation happening. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what causes a reversal down in those indicators is, you know, one leader kind of passes a baton to another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's not, yeah. And you, you can see it on, on any of these charts uh, more often than not, it goes up to a high field position and kind of just hangs out for a little while, maybe comes down a little bit, but it takes some time for it to actually go coast to coast mm-hmm. uh, the other way um, more often than not. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, even though the indicators steadily going down, the index is steadily going up right, and that's right. what you're missing out on. If right. you just go to cash too early. Right. And, and when you're looking at that kind of the move off of some of those tops, I mean, especially if you get an environment that the market's been going up for so long, mm-hmm. um, it can, you want to be the one to make the right call. Oh yeah. You you exactly. want to be the one to pick the, you, you want to get that right. Yeah. But to your point earlier about opportunity cost, I mean, getting out of the market and missing out on that potential five, 10, whatever percent yeah. that it's going to go up from there. Um, that can really eat at those long-term returns. I mean, yeah. that's not the time that you want to be switching things up to try to switch to your kind of near-term deal. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a, an interesting example of that 
is everybody always hears, especially right now, about yield curve inversions mm-hmm. and how predicted they are of recessions. And they can't be, right? Like they've happened before, you know, just I think just about every recession that there is. Um, and but what they don't tell you in the headlines is the timing of the yield curve recession, or sorry, of the yield curve inversion. Um, you know, the the yield curve tends to invert, you know, well before you get the actual recession or before the market goes down. Um, and what a lot of times what happens is that the market just keeps going up. And so you end up with a situation where, you know, you could, you could sell, I'll try to move over here. Mm-hmm. You, you might sell right here and the market keeps going up and then, okay. Oh yeah. The, the recession happens and you get a correction and it just comes back down to where you were anyway. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's not the worst thing you did. You know, Good you, more. you cut off a, a, a tail for yeah. yourself, right? It's not the worst thing to happen, but you also missed out on, you know, yes. quite a bit of return. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, I would say it's it's better to wait. I think you know the the one before 08 is a perfect example where I think it was something like two years or two and a half years early, like the yield curve inverted that far ahead of the recession, mm-hmm. and so you still had 06 to you know get some return, 07 to get some return, um, and then it rolled over, right? And so it's 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 a tough game to play. Yeah, for sure. And so when you're, I mean, you're looking at these different indications, different stuff that we have. I mean, you, the when they're very washed out positioning from the breadth perspective, you want to use these kind of risk measures, right, from a breadth mm-hmm. perspective to yeah. say breadth is so bad now, and it starts starts to show signs of light could be a good opportunity. Right. Um, but maybe some of the other more longer term focus stuff is gonna, at the end of the day, keep you in longer, and when you're continuing up, right. That, that's exactly. And right. so. Yep using the different indicators in in different times, I think is it sounds like something that could be kind of helpful. Yeah, it, it, I think that's exactly right. And it's, you know, and with the thing with you know the the bottom indicators, it's really more, you know, most people are, you know, at least most people working with an advisor are going to be somewhat invested kind of all the time yeah. anyway, right? Ideally. And so okay, you end up in this situation where you okay, hey, I see, you know, this breadth indicator, you know, below 10 and reversing up. Well, I'm already invested. Yeah. Right. And so there's that kind of uh thing. But I would say those are like you can't always predict when they're gonna happen. But if you have a client who has, you know, cash that they haven't put into the market, uh, or just some cash on the sidelines because they got spooked or whatever it is, that's the time to to reallocate, right? Right. Um, and cause it's, it's hard, hard to know exactly like what's going to bounce off the bottom. So, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes it's the stocks that got really beat up. Sometimes it's the, the former leaders. Um, and it kind of depends on like how bad the, the bottom was. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, what you're trying to do. And, you know, with the other types of indicators, you know, the, the longer term ones that, you know, we're, we're really trying to cut off the, the 2008 kind of, you know, tail, uh, of the, the return stream, um, you know, those, those can still be good. You know, there you might be out, right. And then you get the participation indicator, let's say goes below 10, um, and reverses up. Those can be good for trying to play a bear market rally. Um, you know, that can be tough for people too, because, yep. you know, you're in the middle of the bear, but, um, there's, there's a lot of the, those bear market rallies that you see off, off those bottoms tend to be pretty huge. I mean, we had like two of them last They're year. Quick, right? They're quick. Yeah. I mean, you figure like the, the move that like June of last year, mm-hmm. we got into that situation, had explosive move for the next couple months before it rolled over again. 
Um, you know, and then off that uh, October low, which ended up being the low, you know, you had an explosive move off that. Right, right. Um, and that's the thing, like, right, all bear market rallies uh, are our bear market rallies until the last Till they're till the last till they turn into bull market, till they turn right? into bull, right? And they're getting closer to those those all time highs. I mean, that'll be yeah, yeah. That would you know give us more definitive right structural. Uh, yeah, yeah. We know that okay. There's no if Sandra, but everybody's still questioning a little bit. Although I feel like the questioning, especially after last week or so, is starting to go away a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 still going to be there until we get back to those highs, for right? Sure. And so when you're looking at these different, I mean, to using these different indicators, using a lot of the stuff on the technical side, right? I mean, in, in looking at these to pinpoint different kind of market environments, building that kind of process, right? Mm-hmm. It seems pretty important, though, that you want to be in constant kind of communication around that process, right? Oh, yeah. So when we're, when you're working with individuals, whether it's working with clients who have clients or just kind of advisors who you certainly interact with as well, um, how, when do you think is the best time to communicate that kind of deal? Yeah, I mean, obviously the cadence of communication needs to be higher, you know, when volatility is higher. Right. Yeah, everybody's when everyone that. wants to hear from you. Yeah, that's right. And, and they're compounding at your door. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, one, one way or another, you're going to be communicating. So, but getting ahead of that, I mean, it's, it's yeah. part of it too, right? And that's yeah, why yeah. we have the process. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, some kind of, you know, just dripping on them at some regular frequency that, hey, here's the process. And, and even maybe it would could be, uh, you know, what you think is a top, right? Like, because a lot of clients will think that, right? Like the market, like right now, let's say like the market has just been screaming up for like the last couple of weeks. And a lot of people will be saying like, oh gosh, it's just, it's unsustainable. And it, and it, right. that is true. It is unsustainable, but there's two different ways that something can become more sustainable, right? It can be either sell off, right? Which is what most people think, or the, the rate of increase can just kind of, you know, get back to normal, right? right. <laughs> like it, normal up into the still, right. still, yeah, still moving straight up, up right? Straight up the right, still moving up into the right, right? right. Um, and so, yeah, like, but obviously, you know, before any of that happens, having having a uh, a frequent, um, you know, piece of communication that you're you're sending out to the clients to yeah. let them know, hey, this is this is what we do in this type of environment. This is what we do in this type of environment. Um, you know, just just so that they know and they're not spooked when you know they see. Um, you know, something come down the pike that they're that they're not used to. Right. And that's why we have these indicators in the first place. Right. right. So, I mean, that's, exactly. why, that's why they're there is to tell you not predict movement that's going to happen, but yeah. tell you what's going on and then yeah. have the process they, in place to take advantage. They let you know what the conditions are right. of the market right now. Right. right. And that's it's that soulless barometer. That's what Tom Dorsey always talked about. You need that soulless barometer because you want to, you got to take yourself out of the equation as much as possible. You are your own worst enemy. That's not just, I mean, obviously it's that, it's that way for end clients, um, but for advisors too. And, and even, frankly, for me, right? Like I've been doing this a long time and, you know, and, but like, yeah, I'm not like emotionless, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you get, you get into one of those situations and I'll, yeah, if I don't have the indicator, I know I'm going to be second guessing every little thing. Right. 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 And so you got to keep yourself away from doing that. Yeah. That's all this barometer. Yep. Cool. Well, I think uh, with that, Chuck, I mean, we've hit on, a lot of different kind of aspects of risk in general, more kind of market oriented risk. I think that's kind of helpful perspective to have. You've seen, I mean, certainly market's shown a lot of different moves throughout the past couple of years, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a lot of different every environment's a little bit unique. Oh, yeah. So having that kind of same process throughout seems to be kind of important. Something that's going to uh, weather different storms. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. So um, with that, I think we can kind of uh, look to look to land the plane here, Chuck. You got okay. any, uh, 
Got any fun plans you're looking at this weekend or? Uh, just hanging out with the family, you you know, trying to corral a two-year-old. Uh-huh. You know, that's the usual weekend. Different kind so. of risk there. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, hopping on here with us uh, with us this week, Chuck, and we'll uh, look forward to having you back on soon.